Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. Hey friends, are you familiar with the most trusted business network for business executives? It's the C-Suite Network. If you're a business of $5 million or greater, and if you're a VP level or higher, then you're invited to join the C-Suite Network to connect with your business peers. Go to c-suitenetwork.com, that's a c-suitenetwork.com, to learn more about the benefits, meetings, and services exclusive for C-Suite executives like you. Okay, let's do the show. It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 487 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Okay, one of the hardest things a sales leader can do is hire salespeople. And getting it right is so important because getting it wrong can be hugely distracting and costly in terms of lost time and lost opportunities. So to help you get it right, I've created a short playbook to hiring the right sales candidates for your company. It's called How to Hire a Winning Sales Team, the Sales Leader's Guide, five-step guide to better sales hiring. And it's free. Just go to accelerate.fm forward slash winning to download your free guide today for how to hire a winning sales team. Again, that's accelerate.fm forward slash winning. Get your free copy today. Joining me on the show is Eric Tausig, founder and CEO of Prealto. Prealto helps executives and companies improve their productivity through the application of technology and a global workforce. I mean, it's, I sort of think of this as sort of a managed and curated virtual assistant service. Eric believes that sales reps spend up to 80% of their time on menial, repetitive tasks that could best be done by a virtual assistant or by a VA. And actually, some people believe this is actually where AI is really going to help out salespeople in the future. So question of the day really is, should sales reps have a VA? I mean, could it be cost justified? Well, I'm interested to talk to Eric about it. So Eric Tausig, welcome to Accelerate. Uh, thanks. Great to be here. <laughs> almost, like you, almost like you had to think about it for a second. Uh, so, yeah, you've you've been pretty active. You've been making the rounds on podcasts and blogs. I read pretty extensively. You're making the case that that everyone needs to have a virtual assistant, and and this is a sales show. We got a big sales uh, audience, sales leaders, CEOs, sales professionals. So, sales professionals need a assistant as well. I think almost any sales professional could use an assistant, um, whether that assistant is in their office or remote out of their office. Um, uh, but yeah, I think salespeople have been asked to do put more and more activities on their plate um, that have nothing to do with selling, and an assistant is a good way to unwind that in a positive way. <laughs> All right, well, well we're going to unpack that here. I was just laughing because I don't know if you could hear, but... 
I think the <laughs> thunderstorms passed right over my building where we're recording this. So, um, so all right. So, tell us a little bit about Prealto. So, what was what was the impetus to start the company, and and uh, you know, sort of tell people a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So, so simple idea. Um, you know, basically, there are people around the world uh, in uh, places where there's heavy call center uh, activities. Um, a lot of people who are too bright to be answering angry telephone calls all day for Dell Computer or Citibank, <laughs> and um, and I saw an opportunity to um, to to take some of the best people out of those environments and and provide them with more meaningful work. Um, it'll be a benefit to them and a benefit to um, to a lot of people that could use their help. So, real simple idea in the beginning. Um, and what I found was that we needed to come to the table with. Um, some pretty deep use cases that people had forgotten how to use an assistant. Um, because and so, over years, we've just been deprived of those resources and told to do everything ourselves. Exactly. So just you know, as as technology evolved, you know the the receptionist turned into your voicemail, um, and the scheduler turned into you know your your smartphone or or some algorithmic uh, solution. Um, and so people have just kind of lost, uh, lost, you know, it used to be that answering your own telephone, uh, was, if you were a lawyer or a professional was like, you know, having a spelling mistake in your resume, that's no longer true. And so people have just forgotten how to use an assistant and they need a lot of help to, uh, to get some value from it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I don't, th- I know, I don't think I ever had a dedicated assistant throughout my entire career. And I, you know, as a VP level for a long, long time, as well as owning my own company for for uh, seventeen years, and yeah, I've had a virtual assistant the last uh, six or seven. But yeah, I mean, I, I think back when I was working in corporate world, is I never had a dedicated assistant. I mean, right. that, that era missed me. I sort of was always a little bit envious watching those days of wine and roses and all those other classic movies from the fifties and sixties where uh, everybody had a secretary. Right, Madman. Yeah, Madman. Right. How could I overlook that? So, um, all right. So, the, when we get back and talking about specifically for sales, is I think I just read it on your website. Is is one of these statistics that that everyone sort of loves to throw around, which was uh, salespeople spend eighty percent or more of their time on the tactical, i.e., the menial tasks of their role. So, um, I might have a different definition of tactical versus menial, but explain what you mean by menial. Yeah, and, and um, so that's not my favorite word, but um, but there are a lot of kind of routine activities that uh, a salesperson doesn't have to do, and and I'm thinking you know primarily of that outside um, you know B two B salesperson that's on planes or you know out of the office, um, originating a relationship and nurturing that relationship through a transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's where their special contribution lies is in that relationship building and nurturing, and so uh, you know all the activities that lead up to originating that relationship or some of the mechanical stuff around staying in touch with that relationship um, doesn't necessarily have to be done by them. And sometimes it's actually counterproductive for them to do it because they don't do it well. It's just rare for there's a lot of critical detail um, that uh, needs to be done right uh, in the background 
to help that person nurture those relationships. But it's rare that the relationship person and the detail-oriented person lives in the same person. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a fair assessment. I mean, uh, yeah, certainly, I know I embody aspects of both. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm fairly detail-oriented, but I'm a good relationship person. But given the choice, I'd rather have somebody else handle the details if possible. Yeah, and it, it does. The, the, you you do get those, you know, all around players. Like sounds like you are, but but um, but it's it's I would say the exception rather than the rule, um, and uh, it's more and more the exception over time. So I, I think that uh, one side of that person sacrifices the other if they try to live in the same in the same personality. Well, I think one of the things to to serve in vision, so if people listening to this, so first of all, we probably have people salivating and saying, hmm, hmm, tell me more, because there's lots of things I'd like to get off my plate. And um, I think one of the things that that you talk about and and that, you know, people use virtual assistants when it comes in sort of choosing it is that, you know, there's a range of activities that they can handle from things that are a little... Um, less sophisticated things are actually surprisingly sophisticated uh, in terms of what they do. So how do you sort of manage that range? I mean, do does one person handle everything for somebody? Or is it, you know, if you have a relationship with somebody, you know, providing a VA to them, that uh, it might be multiple people actually fulfilling that role? Yeah, so we, we've tried to balance the benefits of having um, you know, a deep relationship with a single uh, assistant uh, with the benefits of having a, a team. Um, so it's, ours is kind of a hybrid model. We try to, as much as possible, keep the interface through one person, even while multiple people might be driving some of those activities behind the scenes. And the interfaces um, with, with the VA themselves, or there's an yeah. intermediary? No, no, with the, with the, with the VA themselves. Um, so, you know... Um, uh, we always say, like, the greatest user interface designer in the world will never surpass the user interface that we're most used to, which is another human being. Right, just talking about so, right. so, so that's, that's our UI, um, and you integrate with them over uh, those things that you're most used to, your, your telephone, your email, and your instant message platform. And, um, and then, uh, but those people are working in a team, and that does uh, in one of our wholly managed service centers. So we are, uh, we are, what we're not is an out-of-home model. We don't think out-of-home model uh, provides uh, nearly as much value as a, as a service center model for a variety of reasons. Um, but they, your, your, your assistant sits in a cohort. Um, and like I said, that does a bunch of, of good things for you. One, it, it adds continuity. So, you know, when your assistant's out, there's somebody else that has uh, a fairly deep knowledge of that, of your work as well. So you can still be supported. Um, but it also gives your assistant a cohort of people to problem solve with. So they can ask, you know, their neighbor, the person they're sitting next to questions to problem solve without having to bug you. So um, I imagine there's these centers are located someplace where there's a fair amount of time shifting involved. Um, well, we, um, we are global. So we have uh, a center in um, Latin America and a center in Southeast Asia and we're adding centers. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Cause again, the concept is cherry picking the best and the brightest out of these call center operations uh, centers. And so uh, we want to have boutique centers in these areas. Um, uh, so they're around the world, but we operate during U.S. business hours, both east and west and central. Got it. 
So how do you, interesting, so how do you, how do you recruit? So, so you're saying you're going into, so you're basically co-locating where there are you know, concentrations of call centers that are set up by U.S. companies or foreign companies. And, and so how do you identify people that, you know, these high potential people that are, you know, wasting their skills just being in a call center? Yeah, well, nicely, I mean, we recruit the same way that every, those guys recruit. So we're, you know, just the same way you would imagine here in the U.S. going out to recruiting sites and local advertising and, and paying recruiters. Um, but how do we get the best people? It's a little bit self-selecting um, because um, there are a fair number of people that want to come in to work every day and follow a script and do the same thing and just, you know, kind of want to know what's expected of them. And then there's another level of person. Um, I don't want to say higher level, but just different um, that like to think laterally and problem solve and get bored if they're, having to read a script. And so those people, um, uh, those people that want to problem solve and want to kind of understand North American business culture are the ones that are drawn to our Mm -hmm. model, Mm -hmm. um, in the first place. And so how do you train given the, the range of things that, that we're going to get into this a bit, our range of activities that, that VAs can support people with specifically in the sales environment is, is again, we're just, Trying to make, or have a bunch of people <laughs> listening to the show and then going to their 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 sales manager and saying, "Look, we need to get an assistant." But you know, how do they? How do you train them? Yeah, I mean, so given, we have, given, we have, given the broad range of things they could do. Yeah, um, so we we do have a bunch of upfront training, um, and then it's it's a kind of a mentorship program, like you would have in a we we. Mm-hmm. So so unlike a call center, um, I mean, if you if you walk into our office. Um, you know, the infrastructure looks like a call center. Um, although now we have a little bit more of an open open architecture than most call centers. But, you know, there's people on phones, people on headsets. Uh, but the behavior will look more like a professional services organization. So, um, you know, people are standing up, walking over to each other's desks, problem solving. Um, and it's a, it's a, it is in a, a pyramid. Um, so, you know, people that do really well are promoted and become the mentors to the, to the newer people. Um, and so, so it is a mentorship kind of program, just like, uh, kind of, kind of model the same way that, um, you know, if you were joining a financial services or a consulting firm. Yeah. And so how do you match a VA with a particular client? So let's say I wanted to come to you and say, look, I need, you know, I've got, these sort of things I need to do or I need done for me. Yeah. How do we find the right person? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we like to stand behind kind of the quality benchmark of all of our people, as you can imagine. Um, and so we kind of ask you to trust us, um, about 5% of the time, um, we end up switching out an assistant. So that's a nice thing again about our, our, you know, in center model is it's a managed service, and mm-hmm. and we and we think we're we're more than the you know the sum of the individuals. We're, we're we are able to switch people out and pretty seamlessly. We document all the stuff that we're doing for you, so retraining is is remarkably easy um, and uh, and painless for the end user. Um, what's interesting is that when the relationship doesn't work, it's um, uh, we find that it's 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 rare that it's because of the actual skill set. It's mm-hmm. more about chemistry, where um, because what we'll find is somebody else would have really liked that 
assistant and said they did all these things great, whereas somebody else will say they all did the same things badly. And when we dig into it, we find that there were just a couple of bumps early on that um, made trust or communication breakdown. Mm-hmm. And it could get solved over a long period of time, but it's just better to just you know start over and, and start fresh. Got it. Got it. And how do you know your work's getting done? I mean, that's that's I, always the thing. I <laughs> even yeah, I have an assistant. I said worked uh, was worked with me for a long time, but but there's still times I feel like there's more checking in than than there should be. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and that's something we've worked really hard on over the number of years that we've been around. Um, because um, uh, you know, doing that in your office is hard. Even when the person's sitting next to you, you just don't have time for it. And so how do you give somebody that visibility in a, in a healthy way um, when that person's across the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of the marketplaces, um, labor marketplaces like Upwork, they've provided, you know, they're doing things with webcams and, and screenshots and, and, you know, that's, that's interesting. But again, as an, an end user doesn't want to manage that. So no, we're, no, you know, yeah, exactly. And so, so what we, um, we have some best practices. Uh, you do get a, a daily summary every day of what we've done for you. Um, and it, it kind of, well, I, it's actually a daily summary and action plan. So it's, um, serves a few purposes. It lets you know what we've done for you that day. Uh, what's outstanding, what questions we need answered to mm-hmm. unlock any bottlenecks mm-hmm. and then a chance to rate that service for the day. Um, and, and another chance to comment. Um, and so we try to limit the amount of management effort from the end user. Um, so we always say, hey, just just click, you know, one through five and, you know, brief comment. And don't worry about that comment being, you know, worded. People really worry, you know, gosh, I don't want to insult this person because, you know, <laughs> and we say that that's our job. That's our job. So, so, so the comments come into a, a centralized place, and we distill those down and 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 communicate that to to the person that needs the feedback in a way that they can digest, you know, a positive way that they can digest. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's spend a couple minutes and and talk about sort of the range of things that because I, yeah, you know, I think for a lot of salespeople, it's like more limited by their imagination than anything else. And I'm I'm, yep. I'm a big believer in this this uh, this concept because. Yeah, we quoted the statistics earlier. You know, the eighty percent are up eighty percent of time. Even if we were to say that number is thirty percent, right? Because that's a number you hear a lot. Thirty to thirty-five percent of of a salesperson's day is taken up by things that don't have to do with actually selling. That's still a huge fraction of their time. You're, you know, let's say you're paying somebody hundred grand a year. Let's say it's one hundred and fifty fully loaded cost. I mean, that's that's a lot of money you're spending for someone to do yeah, things that, that don't have anything to do with with actually capturing a customer. Yeah, so what does that work out to on an hourly rate, right? And so, you know, they, what, what's happened is um, you've taken uh, – um, there's some great tools out there with some great benefits like, you know, all the CRM tools. We, sure. love, we love Salesforce. But, um, you know, especially in smaller enterprises, the failed implementation of Salesforce is, is that that rate is really high. And it's largely because – um, you know, you, you've, you've got some people that have a certain amount of success already, and it's extremely hard to change the habits of somebody with even a mod- who's even been modestly successful, because the because <laughs> because the the trade off well, like, depends, you know, it depends uh, on the environment. I agree. 
Sure, sure. But, but you know. <laughs> in small companies, yeah. if you have somebody who's, oftentimes you see this, this is a pattern. In smaller enterprises, you know, a lot of times the, the most successful salespeople might be those that were there early. They've got a couple of the big accounts. They're sort of, you know, sort of milking things a little bit. And they have no incentive to change. Yeah, and, and, and well, it's <laughs> often and often one of those salespeople is the founder, um, or related, so, or related to the founder. <laughs> yeah, so so so, um, but if you can get that CRM implemented and working, which really has to do with um, that the correct data getting in in a consistent manner, mm-hmm. um, then it gives you a ton of visibility. And it's a ton of benefit. And so, but, but the salesperson should be the consumer of that, that information, um, using that information to um, organize his or her day, um, to have a sense of where he or she is on plan and not the person burdened with, you know, kind of having to do the data entry. So again, it's like, you know, forcing, forcing, you know, $10 an hour work on a, you know, hundred dollar an hour person is mm-hmm. just doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And yet, there's a lot of resistance to to changing that from the part of management because it's seen it's seen as as an extra expense. Because oftentimes, I think what happens is, yeah, they might free up some time for the salespeople, but then they don't see the results change, which is a right. whole whole different issue, which you know has to do with you know managing and coaching their people and make sure they got the right people fit, you know, for the jobs they have. But it doesn't diminish the fact that, yeah, they need to get their people more often in the position where they're actually talking to customers. Yeah, I mean, if if the people, if the salespeople aren't oversubscribed and you don't feel like you're going to get a higher ROI on them by freeing up some of their day, then it's then it's it's definitely a tougher sale. Um, what we found interestingly is that um, uh, management can be really interested, um, and that there actually can be a surprising amount of resistance um, that, you know, you're saying that the salespeople listening to this are salivating. Uh, a certain number are not um, because like all sales tools, ours is an excuse reducer. Yes. Um, and so um, that's, you know, that there, we, we've gotten resistance there. I'm sure. Um, what we found, what we found is that. Um, yeah. Salespeople in general aren't fans of transparency. Right. Um, and so what we found is um, a good implementation of our service uh, starts with, you know, managers who feel like, hey, you know, even a modest ROI, a modest direct ROI is worth it because, um, you know, kind of the, 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 the improvement of lifestyle and culture and all that is. So as long as there's some ROI, they, they tend to want to do it um, and they get that visibility. And then um, um, the A players on the team will always love us. They'll always find ways to get even, you know, they're always looking for leverage. Um, and they, <clears throat> they will get a positive ROI from themselves <clears throat> and the company. Um, and, <clears throat> but the surprising benefit that's kind of like, you know, where, where, um, the managers end up being really happy is where we learn about the company and the sales process, the, their unique sales process, their unique offering, and their unique approach from the A players, and we're able to kind of transfer a lot of their habits um, to the to the B players 
via our assistants. That that gets pretty neat. Via your assistants. Now, how, how yeah. that, so, that so, so a lot a lot of times, <clears throat> the A players are being really rigorous about some process, um, and, and using and, the VA and, for that. It, it, yeah, or they, they've been doing it themselves, um, and then they transfer that to the VA <clears throat> so that they can, you know, learn some other, you know, neat neat thing that they're doing, um, and and we can then do that on behalf of the of the B players and kind of raise their game as well. So that's that's been pretty neat to see. Yeah. So now we're seeing a sort of first pass in many cases. Now increasingly, I'm seeing mails from people using, you know, the the AI VAs, so Clara and X.AI yep. and what's the other one, Jarvis or something like that. So, yep. so yeah, how does that compare with what Peralto is doing? Yeah, so, um, um, so we love technology. And we're oh, as do I, but I, I find it, the Clara it, thing really annoying. It, <laughs> yeah, and so, so, so here's the thing, is, is at least so far... Um, and 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 I don't want to sound like a luddite, and I want to be cognizant of the fact that you know machine learning is is amazing and getting more amazing, you know, as we speak. Uh, so far, um, those solutions can't do the more strategic aspects of scheduling. Now, people are rolling their eyes and going, "What scheduling? Uh, strategic? Well, here's the thing: is is that um, uh, I believe that the algorithm to really solve scheduling is actually more complex than the driverless car. Because the driverless car can assume that everybody has a fairly equal right to get from point A to point B and, and, and make uh, decisions with, within those, that constraint. Mm-hmm. Um, scheduling has all sorts of sociology and signaling involved in it. Do I go to their office? Do I offer to go to their office? Do, they, do I offer to? Do I insist that they come to my office? Um, do I? Is it a deal? Is, is you know? Is, is this a social? Just you know, kind of warming up the relationship, or is this brass tacks? We're going to talk, you know, and therefore you're going to go to a lively, fun restaurant, or is this um, you know, brass tacks? We're going to talk about it, you know, we're going to get down to the nuts and bolts of a deal, and we want a quiet space, you know, near a window, that sort of thing. Um, so, well, so you're, far, you're describing something that has human complexity to it. Pattern recognition, exactly. And so, so, so we are always trying to adopt technology um, to eliminate the kinds of mistakes that human beings will always make, right? Like double booking, um, you know, something in a, in a, at, on the, in the same at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Scheduling something, um, you know, that should have been scheduled on Eastern time for for Pacific, Pacific that sort of thing. Um, the AI solutions are are way better at that. They'll never make those mistakes, and our humans, you know, at, will always at, make that mistake at some percentage rate. Um, but for the that strategic stuff, the pattern that requires pattern recognition, um, we're we're still better. Yeah, but. Again, this just you start. You just described a few of the the permutations that could exist relative to, you know, something where people are making decisions based on a conversation with someone, a tone of their voice. Uh, it could be if it's in person, yeah, you know, based on the body language, and yeah, there are a lot of, like I said, a lot of if thens that needed to be answered, and some you weren't even aware of that 
that uh, I, mean, I think this reflects in sales in general. I mean, people worry about automation and sales. Certainly, there's places for it, and it's working great. I mean, look at what's going on Amazon. I mean, that's you know, even, <laughs> even the B2B space. I mean, there's certain ranges of products that just don't require human intervention anymore. But yeah, so many that still do. You still have to that human human thing is really important. And that and and that's where those relationship guys are actually becoming more important, I think. And and it's really consistent with all the literature out there about, um, you know how how to be relevant in a in a in an automated world. I mean, it is those people who have human. those those soft skills exactly. And, yeah. and so because we get this pushback um, internally at Prialto, like we've had you know our our PAs, our workers um, express some concern. Like, is this stuff? And I and I say, look, if you like coming to work and solving problems and doing the creative stuff, um, you have nothing to worry about. If you if you want to come in and just follow a recipe every day, um, then you know, <laughs> then 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 you should be a little bit concerned. Yeah, well, I think yeah, we take that same lesson we apply right to sales. Is you know, if you're more comfortable in sort of the heavily scripted, somewhat automatic, robotic sales type environment of which we're seeing more and more these days, then yeah, that that's going to lead down a certain path where perhaps at some point you become so scripted that that you know artificial intelligence with machine, buttressed by machine learning over time can learn to do that job as well as you because you're not adding any value in that regard. Right. But to the degree that you maintain your, your, I don't want to call it humanity, but human humanness, if you will, uh, and add value through that direction, then yeah, you've, you've got a long career ahead of you. I think so. All right. So, uh, sort of last set of questions is just, I think the basic chunk that you provide is like 55 hours a week, not a week, a month, excuse me, of, of uh, service. That's sort of the base level package. So how do you, how do you estimate how much can be done in 55 hours? Um, so we bring everybody, before we ever ask them to look at an agreement, we bring everybody through a needs analysis um, process. And it's, <clears throat> it's pretty, um, pretty in-depth. And, and scope out um, kind of what we want to do for them um, in the first few months of working with them. And the concept is we want to, we want to identify some activities mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> where you're going to get a, you know, a, a highly positive ROI on what you're paying to us in fees. And that's just the starting point. So, um, and we're always looking for a minimum of, of, of that base of that, of that base. Uh, we call that a pre-alto unit. Mm-hmm. Um and so um, people are surprised with how much we we can do in that time. Um, but when you take a step back and think about it, it, it shouldn't be a surprise because the activities we're doing, um, uh, yeah, we, we argue if we're going to do 55 hours of work for you, we're probably going to save you a lot more than that in time. And the reason is these are activities that <clears throat> most executives hem and haw and, and procrastinate about ever getting to. And when they get to them, um, they're kind of doing them half awake, mm-hmm. you know, or on the phone with a client and doing them and, yes. or they're going, going into a spreadsheet, um, and then they get distracted and then they have to come back and figure out where they were in that spreadsheet just to get started again. And so they're often not, um, they're often s- spending, you know, two, three times the number of hours that a person who's really focused on them sure. would do. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, they're, they're focused <clears throat> just on 
doing just what they need to do for you and not distracted by other things, which you know means our productivity should be higher, at least in my my estimation. But uh, yeah, well, great. Well, so Eric, fantastic talking to you. So tell folks how they can find out more about Prealto and connect with you. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, so the best the best way is just to go to prialto.com, P-R-I-A-L-T-O.com. Um, we've got phone numbers there. You can call you. We've got um, contact us forms. Um, you can fill out. It's, it's, it's nice if you go there first because you can learn a little bit about us and, and um, you know, kind of answer, answer some questions for yourself and, and get to know us. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but we're really passionate about this stuff. So don't feel like you need to be a buyer to get in touch with us. We we love helping folks, and if in doing that you end up signing on and retaining us, that's awesome. But otherwise, we found again and again that um, we we learn as uh, a, a tremendous amount by you know anyone we come in contact with and help, and so it's always worth our time. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Eric, thanks again, and friends, thank you for spending this time with me today. Come back, join us again tomorrow. Until then, I'd really appreciate it if you take a second, go to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast and subscribe, leave a review. You know, we really appreciate you know, hearing from you, what we could do to make this a better experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Sales strategists at Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales, we're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.